On this episode of the Pack It Up Pod, we look ahead to the Seattle Seahawks game and talk about the adjustments and no additions for the Green Bay Packers. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the Packers Pod. Again, end zone and picked off. Intercepted by Rasul Douglas, and the Packers are going to win it. AJ Green was the target, and he never looked for the ball. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the Pack It Up Packers podcast. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. Yo. Yo. How are we doing? Good, doing man. well. Good. Ready to get back on track. Feel like a, feel like this is a, a, a week that we're going to be very successful. I feel like we're going to reset. Let's start with the news that broke a couple hours prior to recording this. The Packers were in the final two teams, not for a Super Bowl, but for OBJ himself. Uh, talks of... I don't care where I play. I don't care market size. I just want to win a Super Bowl, and he chose the L.A. Rams. <laughs> wow, who would have thought the brand-new stadium so, in L.A.? Yes. It was, it was really interesting when he first came out and said the most important thing was winning a Super Bowl, and then his top two teams at that point were Seattle and the 49ers, to which he then probably looked at the standings and went, whoops. I forgot about that. Let me change gears real quick. And uh, Rogers was calling him. Adams, I guess, was on the phone with him uh, every other day. But it is and what the, it is. And the Saints were on his list. Mm. Like, who's throwing him the ball in New Orleans? Simeon Trevor. Come on, dude. <laughs> I mean, questionable decision making all around. I, are you I surprised? I mean, are we surprised? I mean, come on. No, no I was excited for the potential, but, you know, if nothing else, motivate the guys we already have that someone like OBJ decided he had a better opportunity to win the Super Bowl somewhere else. Sure. Let, let's have that motivate us. Yeah, I love I love what they did. League minimum. You know, if he came for that. Heck, yeah. Let's give him a tryout. If, if you know, he comes in and our locker room is already so strong that he, he shapes up and if he doesn't, he's the outcast and he'll he'll be gone anyways. So, yeah, I, I love what they did. Sad we didn't have a chance to see what could happen. Wow, complimenting it. Is this a Rams podcast now? No, what the hell? Get out of here, but L.A. The, boy. The good news is he, he <laughs> won't play this weekend. He'll probably get a decent kind of early edition snaps next weekend. So, really, his first official full-time all-go game is going to be at Lambeau Field, which is going to be – uh, I have a feeling that the green and gold fandom that will infiltrate that stadium that day are going to say some very nice things to OBJ throughout the whole game. It's going to be very pleasant. But enough of that. Let's talk about our two players of importance that are going to be with this team on Sunday. The first is the reigning MVP. The second is the best 69 we've ever had in our podcasting lives. Whoa. Bakhtiari. 
and Rodgers are going to be on the field. Uh, we'll see how Rodgers is feeling, and we'll also see what Bakhtiari has in his tank this early. How do we feel about at least him coming back? How much do we think he plays? Do we see the line shift all the way over? Does Jenkins stay where he's at? What do you guys think early on? Man, it's it's tough on the Bakhtiari front. I mean, he's had three weeks, which is essentially just training camp. So, you know, if if he were to take the if I were to extend that analogy, then he's gone through training camp. And normally you would have another three to four weeks of preseason before you're playing in a real game. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's not playing just yet. Uh, And I also take that from Elton Jenkins response to a press conference question where the uh, media reporter said something to the effect of like, what position will you be playing when Bakhtiari comes back? Are you going to slide over? Are you going to stay? Yada, yada. And he didn't have an answer. And whether he was playing coy or not, I, I cannot confirm or deny. But I would, I think I read it as he doesn't have an answer because they haven't really gotten that far yet. And that wouldn't surprise me if Bakhtiari still needs a week or two. You had to activate him or shut him down this week. You activate him because he can come back, but it doesn't mean he has to play right away. I, I totally agree. There's no need to rush him back. Uh, we want him for the playoffs, the playoffs. So just get him healthy, get him, get him going, uh, and we'll, we'll see when when he can fit in. That sounds like the path Jair's on too. Ryan called that one. Like just bring him back in like week 17 and 18, yep. or maybe just week 18. Get him a couple reps. If he's well, going to be playing through pain and needs surgery anyways, just sit him until he needs a couple reps to warm up for the playoffs. Yeah, I, the one thing I think we're all forgetting is Green Bay Packers starters don't play preseason games. So him actually just going straight into it with uh, the wide world of unknown, Bakhtiari probably would just do that. I mean, it's just like the Saints game. Every single player showed up just being like, I guess we'll try it out. Ready uh, to go. But, but yeah, Lafleur mentioned that Zadarius was very close. Uh, I it sounded more and more like give me two more weeks and you'll see Big Z back on the edge. It did sound as though, and we've talked about this on a couple of different podcasts, and it's finally been kind of said by Lafleur that Jair is a long ways away, which means I I just I don't see him coming back before week 16. I think this is literally a hey get your reps in, but we are going to shoot up. Uh, every muscle in your body to make sure it works uh, for the playoffs. But that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. So let's turn our attention to this game. Well, the Rodgers front, we didn't exactly oh. cover, but can be activated Saturday or taken off the COVID list, I guess is the right vernacular we should be using. And then I'm not too concerned about like the physical conditioning like Devante had to run a bunch post COVID, which it's a respiratory infection. So that could cause some problems, but Rogers doesn't do as much cardio as a wide receiver does. So, I mean, as, as soon as he's back, we're good, right? The, the toughest part is probably the game planning like Nathaniel Hackett trying to game plan two different quarterbacks all week is probably the biggest challenge there. Yeah. Without Rogers practicing too. So it, it will, it will be interesting probably the first quarter, but I mean, as long as he plays, I, I will be happy. Knock on wood. Come on, man. Yeah. They sound pretty confident. Like yeah, over 90% chance. And so for those uh, listening that aren't quite sure how it works, he got COVID as a vaccinated player. All you just got to do is be negative two days in a row and you can come back whenever. 
which is why they were testing Adams like crazy, hopefully trying to get him into that Cardinals game. For somebody that's unvaccinated, it's just 10 days straight up, and as long as you don't show symptoms on that 11th day, you can play. So I would assume the only thing to keep him out is if he has a raging fever on Sunday, but other than that, I, I fully expect him to play. He was in all the meetings. We, I, I, A week off is, is not necessarily uh, too damaging to a guy that knows this crew as well as he does, so... Is Pete Carroll trying to send money to the guy that is most important on Sunday, and that is the guy that has a little laser pointer that you put on your forehead to measure for a fever? <laughs> Maybe. That guy on Aaron yeah. Rodgers, if he just breathes on it first and has Rodgers showing like a 101 pregame, they're like, sorry, buddy. You who's, who's the ref that hip checked? Who's the ref that hip yeah, checked? Yeah, <laughs> oh, that would be the biggest sham ever. The refs are the ones that check for symptoms. Yeah. Oh, my God let's move on because this is just going to anger me for the stupidest reason <laughs> that these NFL refs have been this year. So let's turn our attention to our matchup against the Seattle Seahawks on a beautiful Sunday afternoon in Lambeau. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks have actually not won knock on wood in Lambeau since 1999. And this team has been uh, a struggle fest and granted Wilson has been uh been off the roster for a number of weeks, but they're three and five. And they opened the season with a win against the Colts. They found a way to beat the 49ers and our, our lovely Jacksonville Jaguars punching bag. But other than that, it's just, it hasn't been very good. Uh, they've hung around when they needed to. They lost by three to New Orleans, three to Pittsburgh. So they stay in games. But let's talk about Russell Wilson, assuming he's coming back from this devastating injury. I can't believe we have a comeback like Alex Smith last year, and now we go right into Russell Wilson just doing God's work to get this middle finger back in time. It's just a miracle. Yes. Uh, it's it's uh, Metcalf and Carson's coming back, and it's a kind of a hodgepodge group for the last five weeks. So let's dig into it. Where can we take advantage from a defensive side of the ball? Yes, documentaries will be made about Russell Wilson's trials and tribulations of a three-week recovery. Just mm. <laughs> God bless him. God bless him. Um, so I, I did a little bit of diving into the Seattle Seahawks because it, I think it's hard to summarize – the offense, uh, it's it's a bit inconsistent, and I, I think most people that are football fans are are knowledgeable listeners of this podcast, kind of understand what Russell Wilson is. He's one of the best running, scrambling quarterbacks in NFL history. He has one of the most running yards for a quarterback in NFL history. He's one of the best uh, shot takers. He likes to throw it deep, uh, and then they like to set that up with sort of a bruising running game. So their best days, obviously, were with Marshawn Lynch. They're hoping to have that with Chris Carson. Um, but I'm not seeing all that actually play out. Like you talked about the record and you just assume like Russell's back Seattle's, you know, a top tier playoff team. Again, they were two and two in games where they had Chris Carson and Russell Wilson and two and three in the games that Russell had played in. So it wasn't necessarily like he was on an MVP tear. And I went back to week four to watch a Seattle Seahawks game and it was October 3rd against San Francisco because that was the last game they had both Russell Wilson and Chris Carson. And it was a lot of what you expected, but like Chris Carson looks slow. I'm just being honest. He looked a little bit slow. He was averaging 
2.3 yards per carry. I thought Alex Collins actually looked like the, the quicker running back for him. And then Russell Wilson only had 149 yards. It was everything underneath. It was heavy tight end involvement. It was screen passes to the running backs and wide receivers. And when they took their shot plays, both Lockett and Metcalf are the weapons to do that. Uh, San Francisco was able to lock them up back in week forward. The the games that they've won, Russell Wilson hasn't had a ton of passing yards. The, the Seahawks are 29th overall in pass yards. They're only 22nd in rush yards. The times he has put up yards have been in losses. Against Minnesota and against Tennessee, he was at 298 and 343 when they lost both those games. Um, so it, it's really a confusing offense, and I, I don't really think the fix is that they're both back. I think they still have some issues to work through. Yeah, yeah, you're right on. They had issues before Russell Wilson got hurt, uh, you know, so they, they still have a lot of makeup ground. DK Metcalf hasn't really been – he just doesn't look right this year. I mean, he's still getting past people, um, but he, he's worried a lot about on, on-field on play and intimidation of cornerbacks. I mean, he's gotten so many penalties this year um, just by – you know, getting in a guff with the cornerback opposite of him. He loves to get getting in the guff, whatever that means, but he loves to get, try to get in people's heads. So I'm interested to see if he does that with our corners or if they keep their cool, but how we attacked the past two weeks, how we've played uh, on the defensive line. If we play that same exact way with the corners and linebackers filling to help out with containment of the quarterback and the run game, if we do that again, same game plan, you know, maybe a little different variation just because Russell Wilson is a little bit more threat with his legs. But, I mean, if if, if they can continue to get that pressure, I, I really think we can control the Seahawks. Now, just like the Chiefs, they can they can knock off a 40-yarder like, like nothing with D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um, e- even their tight end, uh, Will Disley, decent guy in the red it. zone. So, oh, Gerald Everett, too. Yeah, speedster. So there's some guys to watch out for, but they're not connecting. They, they they just don't have that connection that they normally have and that we are used to seeing the Seattle Seahawks offense have. It's weird, and I'm probably way off base by saying this, but I almost feel like they're a very poor man's Kansas City. Like, if you're looking at them back-to-back weeks, they have an MVP caliber quarterback that's not in a groove. They have a... a backfield that is nowhere near where it should be at an NFL level. And granted, Carson will come back. We'll see what he does. But as Dan mentioned, it really hasn't necessarily shown uh, too bright this year. They've got one lead receiver and then a whole lot of kind of quality receivers. But for the Packers side of things, assuming that Kevin King goes against a Metcalf while Stokes goes against a Lockett, I prefer Kevin King going against a physical receiver rather than a speed receiver. And from the tight end position, they're not going to be up to the level of Kelsey, but they'll still be involved. The O-line has some good games and they have some really bad games. So it's just one of those where on paper you go prior to the season. Yeah, this is a this is a quality offense. Yeah, why not? Just like the Chiefs, they'll put up points. It'll happen. And then you realize now that we're 10 weeks into the season and yes, there's been a Geno Smith sighting for four of those games. It just hasn't been quite the same. And the one good thing for Russell Wilson is uh, turnovers haven't been an issue in terms of interceptions. He's been clean for those first part, but it's all been dunks. It hasn't necessarily been huge, crazy plays that you would expect from uh, guys like Metcalf and Lockett. So 
it'll be really, really interesting. I just, I, I honestly feel like if they can shut down Metcalf and they can get that safety support on him, I just, I feel overly confident about our defense, assuming that Kenny Clark is back to normal, right. Kiki's back to normal, Stokes <laughs> is back to normal. There's a lot of, of guys that should piece. be on the field Sunday, but it's a whole lot of, ooh, I hope we're there. That's that's the biggest piece, and, and exactly to your point that they they want to open up those receivers. They ran a lot of zone runs out of shotgun, and they they want to set up those shot plays off of play action. Then, so the more they can have a little bit of success in the run game, the more they can commit you to the run. The more they can get your eyes wandering, looking at the guards for pulls, bringing a Amos down in the box. They they still keep you aware of Russell Wilson's ability to move around in the pocket and and play in zone so you can have eyes on him and then they try to beat you over the top with Metcalf and Lockett so the you know whether Kenny Clark's in or not I I don't know what he truly is but I'd put it at fifty fifty right now um, even if he's not in you need stout play from the front seven and shutting down the run game not letting anything get started there because then you're in trouble that's what they can build off of. And they like to build off of that. Get ready for this. A fun little stat I found today, boys. Uh, thank you, Internet. Tyler Lockett on crossing routes is just insane. Since 2019 on crossing routes, he has 61 catches for 777 yards just on crossing routes. So that's another thing. They use his speed to try to free up and, and build off of that as part of their offense. So Keep it on that. I'd love to see Stokes' speed matched up against him. Uh, like you said, Ryan, I, I agree with everything you said. You're such a smart man. But here's the biggest thing. DK Metcalf went on Pardon My Take of Barstool mm-hmm. on Wednesday and said he's willing to do the dog peeing celebration for donation to charity. So we can't really have – I mean, we've already had someone mooning inside. <laughs> that can't be allowed. That we've can't be allowed. Happen, and that, that's all ingrained in our memories. We can't have a dog being happen. So we need to keep him out of the end zone. With blue hair. Ugh. Yeah. It's it's really interesting, too, and I'm glad you brought up that Lockett quote because I think we're so used to seeing him of a Lockett of like two or three years ago where he just flies down the field. But 579 yards, decent by all means – only one yard behind Metcalf they just mentioned. But out of that 579 yards, only 146 of those were yards after catch. So he's catching it, and, and that's what he's getting. Is It's not it's not the same locket that I think we're used to. And you mentioned Carson looks lower to you. Uh, yeah, I think Lockett's just changed the style of receiver that he's been uh, this year in particular. And I, I, I get that Geno Smith was the quarterback for a bit. I get it that things are, are different. But even if you look at those early games, it's just not who you would expect Lockett to be. But we'll see how it goes. Let's turn our attention to this offense that knock on wood is healthy and ready to go with a freshened up offensive line to some extent and Aaron Rodgers feeling like a bad bad man again they're going to be facing a a defense that boys we we have a chance to do do them wrong uh Bobby Wagner is a, a beast 93 tackles on the season like Good Lord, have mercy. Uh, their leading sack getter is Darrell Taylor, their defensive end. But they have some weaknesses. They have some strong suits. Where do you think we can attack this team? Well, we 
where we can't is the middle of the field. The middle of the field will be very tough. Like you said, Bobby Wagner is a man on a mission again. I mean, he just plays fantastic every year. Um, but him mixed in with Jamal Adams, they love to drop down Jamal Adams. He's pretty much a linebacker disguised as a safety. Um, and, and he plays the middle. I mean, you saw it last week. If you watch the game multiple times, everyone was there just lined in single file line, two by two, uh, in the defense. Uh, and, and they just played zone over top. And if some people had man, some people didn't. Um, so it, it will be tough to get some quick routes over the middle. I feel. But where we can succeed is the outside. Even the back shoulder throws these corners, Sidney Jones and DJ Reed. We've succeeded against these guys before. They can do it again. Um, I really think Devontae Adams is about to have a day, especially if Rodgers is back. Um, and these running backs coming out of the backfield. like they, I think we have the edge with the speed um, of, of our running backs. Yeah, I found it interesting in the game I watched back, uh, the exact spot that Garoppolo and Trey Lance had success was uh, essentially what you're talking about. It, avoid Bobby Wagner and the Quandre Diggs-Jamal Adams safety combo between the hashes. And if you had a heat map of completions where the 49ers were having success with, and I see no reason why we can't, it was about 8 to 15 yards downfield between the hash marks and the numbers. And that speaks to like your your ability to attack the outside. The Seahawks were almost in exclusive zone coverage, so they they let Jamal roam, they let Bobby Wagner read his reads and make those plays, and and they will make plays. Quandre Diggs will make his plays. Uh, if it's Jordan Love, so help me God, you better be finding Jamal Adams because he's going to be rushing, he's going to be blitzing like ninety percent of the time. So. For multiple reasons, let's hope 12 is back there. But I still got faith Jordan Love could have some success against this defense. There's guys you got to watch out for, but as a team, there's opportunities. And I, I think we attack that same area in those short it to intermediate passing routes, uh, you know, numbers to hash market. I don't think you even have to go as outside as you're saying, Josh. You just got to avoid the middle linebacker specifically. Uh, there's opportunity to put up points. Yeah, I I think A.J. Dillon and up the middle with Aaron Jones quickness. Mm -hmm. I I think there's some dangerous things that could happen because they are weak a little up front. Now, you know, they do have linebackers and safeties that help, but I think we have the talent uh, to clean up that second level block and make the one man miss. So I, I think rushing game could be intense also. I think it's the opposite, and I think it was leaning more on your first statement, Josh, about these corners, and Dan, your first statement about just the ability to throw on this group. If you want a definition of a bend-don't-break defense, it might be the Seattle Seahawks. They have the second worst yards against average in the NFL. They're giving up 401 yards per game that is only second by a seven-yard difference to the New York Jets. They are giving up yards in chunks, but they have the eighth lowest points against per game at 21 points, one point above the Green Bay Packers. So it's one of those that with zone, they're going to give up yards and then they hope they can pull it together once they get into that red zone territory, which we know the Green Bay Packers aren't necessarily their strong suit this year. Hopefully they can find their way. One other interesting thought is Diggs has three interceptions on the year for the Seattle Seahawks, but he is the only Seahawk that actually has an interception on the year. 
That's it. It's Diggs with three, and that's the entire team. And to put that in perspective, Packers have eight different players with an interception. So whether that's leaning more onto the Packers doing things right, but you're going to have a chance to get yards to the air. I agree completely that if we can find holes, and hey, LaFleur, if Dylan's running like a madman, just don't let him lead the field. Just keep giving the big boy the ball. But I just... This is going to be an opportunity for the Packers that if you want to improve your red zone offense statistics, Seattle is the team. They're going to let you into that 30-yard territory. You have to get advantage as much as possible with touchdowns because we know the kicking game ain't what it should be. Oh, did you just bring up special teams? <laughs> it's part of our contractual obligations that we need to bring them up and preview and then boo them in post game. If you have a, a record such as seven and two, you must bring up the worst part of your team on every podcast. It's a contractual obligation. You had some great stats there, Ryan. I wasn't aware of only one guy having interceptions and then the yards per play and yet not giving up points. That's very interesting. So we're going to have to be efficient essentially, right? Well, not the, the Jordan Love uh, prediction you also had of being able to pick up yards but then struggle in the red zone. We need to convert those. I just hope we play well. I mean, good I just God, want the boys Molly. to have fun. Let's, uh, let's, get let's just make some two. field goals. Yay. So let's get into prediction time. Who do you think wins? What's the score? And who is your MVP? I'll kick it off. I, I think it's going to be close. I, I think it will. Um, I think there's going to be a little rust on both sides. Um, not as much from us, more from them. Um, but they'll get some big shots over over the top. So uh, Packers 27 to 24. Um, and I think it's it's Devontae. I mean, it's, it's going to be Devontae's show. It, ha- it has been all year. Um, I, I don't think these corners can hang with them. Um, especially if Sidney Jones is on him, I think it, Adams will just have a freaking day. So, uh, yeah, Packers, 27-24. I'm actually oddly confident about this game. I know, me too. Oh, Are no. Even, oh, no. I even wanted to call out, with or without Rodgers, I think we win. Oof. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's... that's <laughs> That's how oddly confident I am about this. So I, although I, we can have success in the passing game, I think that y- they use that sparingly. I think Lafleur owes it to the running backs and made statements in the press as such that they were having success last week and he didn't give them the ball enough. And I think you almost want to speed this game up. You don't want to let Chris Carson and Russell Wilson find their footing. You don't want to give them seventy snaps and the opportunity for comebacks. And you can keep your defense a little more fresh that way. So I think the the game plan two weeks in a row here should be uh, as long as the run is working, you stick to it. And I think Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon can both have success here. And then you use the pass game efficiently. You throw the ball 24 times. You know, you, you throw it in the red zone uh, because Rodgers is such a weapon down there. Um, but I think Aaron Jones can be the MVP. I think he can have 100 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Maybe one comes in the air, and the Packers win this in a game that's less than three and a half hours. Packers 30, Seahawks 17. Ooh, I'm with Dan, and I, I, uh, I've i made it well known before that I am a big proponent of swagger, 
and mojo and all the intangibles that are outside of physical football ability. I think that Devontae Adams looks at the entire world talking about OBJ as being the greatest. Oh, man, what if what this is just asking for him to go off? We all know what Rodgers has been under these last 10 days. You don't think that he wants to light the world on fire. And then you have a defense that is losing people and switching people that just feels like everybody's waiting for that other shoe to hit. I just feel like coming back home, redemption game of just getting back on track. We shouldn't have lost the Chiefs game. Let's put it together for this Green Bay game where there's an outside chance of some flurries floating around 40 degrees. So hello, hello. I just, um, man, this seems like a game that the Packers just completely take over if they want to. And that's why I'm going to I, – I almost picked Packers 24, but I, at some point they're just going to score more than that. I think it's going to be 27-17. I, I just – it's going to be a really, really fun game early, but LaFleur is going to be scoping out the Seattle Seahawks defense all week. He's going to put it together. And, and little little something something, we're still – at least a three-game advantage over everybody in the North. I think this is our opportunity to once again step forward and say, we're back. Don't second-guess us for what happened in that loss. We're ready to go. I, They're going to win. They're going to win. They're going to win. Yo, so I actually had 27-17 as my score prediction, <laughs> but Josh said 27 for the Packers. I was like, all right, I'll bump it up. I'll make it 30. Fine. There we are. Well, this Set in zone, 27. So we know one thing's for a fact – the Packers will not score 27 points on Sunday. <laughs> They'll score more. I 30. look forward on that opening drive when people are like, Russell Wilson's looking great. Look at DK Metcalf jump over Kevin King. It's like, all right, we're back. Here we go. So <laughs> that's usually how this goes. But uh, when in doubt, special teams will screw it up for us. We'll see who's who's uh, fair catching punts this week because I know it's going to be the guy we don't want to see back there. So, man. All right. We – we're full. Go we're, we're go. We're go. Let's go. So that'll do it for this episode. We'll catch everybody at the beginning of next week. Until then, thanks. Go pack. Go.